2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting with verse 6. Now we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from every brother or sister living irresponsibly and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not irresponsible when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living irresponsibly, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. As the story goes, there was a man who had given a lot of thought to what he wanted from life. He had gone through trials and tribulations, but at last he saw clearly where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do with his life. He decided now was the moment to go for it. The opportunity wouldn't be there long, and he had to set out immediately or the opportunity wouldn't come again. Well, along the journey, he came upon a bridge that crossed through the middle of a town, and it had been built high above the river. He started to cross, and then he noticed someone coming from the opposite direction, and it looked like this guy was coming to greet him, Uh, but he didn't know who this guy was, and he noticed there was something tied around his waist. Well, as he got closer, he saw that this guy had a rope around his waist, a long rope that, if extended, could be like 30 feet. The guy began to uncurl the rope, and just as they were coming close, the stranger said, Excuse me, would you hold the other end of this rope for a moment? Well, without really thinking about it, he reached out and took the rope. Thank you, the man said, then added, Two hands now, and remember, hold tight. Then he jumped off the bridge. He suddenly felt the weight of gravity as the man's weight pulled the rope and instinctively he held tight and was almost dragged over the side, but he braced himself against the edge. And he said, what are you trying to do? The other guy just said, hold on tight. This is ridiculous, the man thought, and began trying to haul the guy in, but he couldn't get the leverage to pull him up. Why did you do this? The man called out. Remember, said the other guy, if you let go, I'll die. But I can't pull you up, the man cried. I'm your responsibility, said the other. Well, I didn't ask for it, the man said. If you let go, I'm a goner, repeated the other. So he began to look around for help, but there was no one around. How long would he have to wait? Why did this have to happen now, just as he was on the verge of doing something with his life? So he looked around for a place to tie the rope, but there was nothing. There was no way to get rid of this newfound burden, even temporarily. What do you want? He asked the guy hanging below. Just your help, the other answered. How can I help? I I can't pull you in, and there's no place to tie the rope so that I can go and find someone to help. I know, just hang on. That will be enough. Tie the rope around your waist. It'll be easier. Well, fearing that his arms could not hold out much longer, he tied the rope around his waist. Why did you do this? He asked. What possible purpose does this serve? Just remember, said the other guy. My life is in your hands. 
Well, now the man thought to himself, what do I do here? If I let go all my life, I'll know that I let this guy die. If I stay, I lose the chance to live the life I think I'm supposed to live. Either way, this will haunt me forever. And then he had an idea. If the guy down below could shorten the rope from his end by curling it around his waist again and again, he could actually lift him up slow and steady. So he shouted, listen, I think I know how to save you. And he explained his plan. But the guy wasn't interested. You mean you won't help? Uh, But I told you I can't pull you up by myself, and I don't think I can hold on much longer either. And the guy down below said, you got to try. If you don't, I die. Well, this is it. He either leaves now or he misses his chance. But how can he just let this guy fall? What should he do? My life or his? Then he had an idea. I want you to listen to me, he said, because I mean what I'm about to say. I will not accept the position of choice for your life, only for my own. The position of choice for your own life I hereby give back to you. What do you mean, the guy asked. I mean simply it's up to you. You decide which way this ends. I will become the counterweight. You do the pulling and bring yourself up. I will even tug a little from here. And he began unwinding the rope around his waist and braced himself anew against the side. You don't mean that, the guy said nervously. You wouldn't be so selfish. I'm your responsibility. What could be so important that you would let someone die? Don't do this to me. So we waited a moment, and there was no change in the tension of the rope. I accept your choice, he said at last, and then he let go of the rope. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? Rabbi Edwin Friedman used to tell this story to teach about the importance of boundaries within communities, within families. Upon first reading this passage from 2 Thessalonians, we might think it sounds harsh too, because relationships are complicated. And this letter from Scripture is trying to work through a complex system of relationships within the church at Thessalonica. Relationships can shift quickly along a spectrum from disengage to enmeshment. And enmeshment is is when the boundaries of our emotional and material connections are unclear and permeable. Healthy relationships require healthy individuals who accept the position of responsibility for their own lives. This fall, we've talked a lot about stewardship and generosity. We've talked about how we're made to give. But great spiritual truths are revealed in paradox. There are times to give. We should be generous, yes. And there are moments also to create boundaries. After all, Jesus said to forgive seven times, seven times a day. And here in Second Thessalonians, it says to keep away from believers who are living in idleness. Forgive, yes, but don't let people fail in their discipleship by simply becoming a burden, because then neither the burden nor the one holding the burden are able to live the life God calls them to live. Some amongst the Thessalonians decided that since Christ shall return soon, and they believed that return to be imminent, that they just waited out. I mean, why get a job when Christ might come back before your first paycheck hits the bank? At the same time, 
there was another faction who did everything they could do to stay busy without really doing anything at all. They're in everyone else's business as if they have everything so well taken care of in their own world that they're free to dabble in the lives of others. So the church was dealing with twin factions of moochers and busybodies. The NRSV calls the behavior of the Thessalonians idleness, but the Greek more literally says these people were walking without order. You see, neither moochers nor busybodies have faith in their abilities. Busybodies create the appearance of work, but they're as idle as the moochers. It's an imitation of productivity. Reverend Netta Pringle says it well. In many ways, they're They are two expressions of the same ill. What is thine is mine. And moochers and busybodies don't have good boundaries. And neither really contributes to the good of the community. They're both consumers instead of agents of community. And this letter is written by Paul or or one of Paul's disciples in his name. and, And we'll just say Paul suggests boundaries here. He says, We command and exhort you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, y'all do your work. (laughs) Maybe the appeal to apostolic authority is also an appeal to take up their own power. Do as you've seen us do, Paul says. And it's almost like he's saying, if I can do this, you can. After all, Paul was the chief of sinners who persecuted the church, and now he's a convener, and he's calling upon the church to receive the Spirit and cultivate its gifts among themselves. That's something each believer, each citizen of God's kingdom has to take upon themselves. It can't be done for you, and it has to be something you take seriously and can't be pawned off to your neighbor. It's a group project where we all have assignments. Look, there are times when we need help. We need to accept the grace our community will give us. Getting help doesn't mean we're moochers or busybodies. It just means we're human. There's probably been too much focus on this passage about accountability and boundaries, but but what this is really about is how we are stewards of the community God gives us. And if we aren't intentional about setting boundaries for behavior, then we become an enmeshed amoeba rather than a thriving community of disciples with diverse gifts and skills. And one of the common metaphors or images of the church is that of a hospital for sinners. A lot of theologians will talk about the church as a hospital for sinners. And too often, the hospital for sinners lets its sickest patients do the surgeries. Just to avoid conflict, we don't set good boundaries. And this is what 2 Thessalonians is reminding us. And really, moochers and busybodies are both subject to a passive despair, the belief that their work doesn't matter and ultimately, that they don't matter. And a community that reinforces that tragic news by not defining boundaries of appropriate behavior is just a good imitation of Christian community. 
That kind of passive community puts peace above faithfulness. Their only real mission is the absence of conflict. But God invites us to risk ourselves for the sake of creating deeper relationships worthy to be called church. Now, Second Thessalonians might sound harsh at first. It sounds unloving when it says, we command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to keep away from believers who are living in idleness. When people show you their boundaries, it sometimes sounds unloving, but, but what they're doing is inviting you into their lives and creating an understanding of how they can relate. Boundaries are covenantal and creative. They're a means of establishing the grounds for relationships. Henry, no- Henry Nouwen, uh, the great spiritual writer, wrote a lot about setting boundaries. And he said this to those who feel rejected by others. He said, You keep listening to those who seem to reject you, but they never speak about you. They speak about their own limitations. They don't say that you are bad, ugly, or despicable. They only say that you are asking for something they can't give. The sadness is that you perceive their necessary withdrawal as a rejection of you instead of as a call to return home and discover there your true belovedness. Now one was on to something. It's like the soul is liquid and needs a container. The boundaries you set through the way you live create the means of of containing the gift of life God has given you, the gift of your personality, your identity. And when you let down your boundaries to simply become someone else, you leave your home and you leave your belovedness behind. And when we do this, we feel it. We we sort of know it as, as shame, as a separation. And the temptation then is to just grab on and not let go to those whose whose identity we're trying to claim. And we want to attach ourselves to others so that we will be something, so that we'll be worthy. When in truth, what we need to do is to let go, return home, and reclaim ourselves. Because we all have limitations, we all have boundaries. We all have short memories. We need Sabbath. We need praise to reorient ourselves in the world as God's beloved. We need communities that help us nurture the boundaries so that we can give of ourselves effectively, graciously, and generously. To do that, we have to claim responsibility for ourselves. We can't expect others to hold the rope forever. You know, in her book, Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about the Three Sisters Garden. When the colonists came to the New World, they laughed at how the Native Americans grew crops because in their minds, a garden meant straight rows of single species plants and not a three-dimensional sprawl of abundance. And yet these three seeds, corn, beans, and squash, seemed to thrive together. Because the corn sprouts from the soil first and is on its way to growing tall when the bean seedling appears and begins its own journey toward the sun. The bean vine climbs the corn stalk without damaging or decreasing the corn's vitality. 
And at the base of the corn stalk, the squash plants grow big and wide, shading the soil and holding moisture in. And they had a lot of uh, origin stories about, uh, about this garden. And Native Americans told stories of a long winter when the people were dropping from hunger. And three women came to the village one snowy night. One was a tall woman dressed in all yellow with long flowing hair. The second wore green and the third was robed in orange. The three came inside a place in the village and food was scarce then, but the visiting strangers were fed generously, sharing in the little that the people had left. In gratitude for their generosity, the three sisters revealed their true identities, corn, beans, and squash and gave themselves to the people in a bundle of seeds so that they might never go hungry again. Notice, the corn doesn't become squash. The beans don't try to be corn. They're all themselves, all on their own journey to bloom in one garden, and by growing into who they are meant to be, They help the entire garden flourish. So we either accept the position of choice for our lives and for our life together, or we walk without order, and we just let fate or some other benefactor hold the rope. The choice is always with us. Amen.